I think this is the beginning of a beautiful friendship. Take one. Do you want anything from the shop? Call it out. Chocolate! It doesn't say anything about a chocolate, does it? Hello, and welcome to another Spool podcast with myself, Nigel Wheatley, and him, Pork McGo. Hello. So we're at a safe distance, but we are sat in the same room recording one of these for the first time in around about four months, just the day that phase one of Ireland's lockdown was announced was the last time we uh, recorded a Spool podcast in the same space. So um, good to see you, Pork, and look at yeah, you. Yeah, good to see you other side of the mic um so in this episode of the podcast we'll be talking about some of the films that we've seen over the last four or five weeks um and just talking about some of the other kind of cinema related experiences that we've been having over the last little while so it seems like we're no closer to things getting back to complete normality but um i got to the stella cinema in rathmines which opened up about 10 days ago at the time of recording this and yeah it was a pretty good experience uh, in terms of how they've done it your popcorn is waiting on your seat with a little lid on it yeah. uh, and you just go in you have to maybe you want they want you to have your ticket pre-booked you've got it just on your phone you walk up point it at the usher he just points you down to your seat okay so you're not walked to your seat uh, he can like still walk you to your seat and he has a mask or she okay. they, they, they're wearing yeah. masks and stuff so anyway interesting experience um, so they yeah. haven't pulled out any furniture it's more so you just can't sit in certain exactly, places because the seats are so distant from front to back mm. that the rows are still in use and then they leave one empty to you on either side so yeah, yeah so grand. the omnis have opened as well but the lighthouse uh stella or no the lighthouse the ifi, the IFI are coming in a, in a and cine world are the end weeks. of july yeah, end yeah. of july that's it mm. um i kind of look forward to a social distant cinema experience it's great like people who go to the cinema a lot i've been social distancing like, in the cinema for a very yes. very long time the best part of 20 years so yeah. um everyone this just means that they are now going to be facilitating it more where uh, they'll have to be quicker with food and pick and mix it is a tragedy that pick and mix in cinema chains across the country cannot open there'll be big padlocks and sad face um posters that you can't use pick and mix that your popcorn came from big bag or did you give a shite um, I wasn't worried about where it it came from. That it was not popped for me with with yeah. some sweaty teenager. Just maybe they'll just start selling big giant bags of Manhattan popcorn again. Yeah, that might be it. Um, but anyway, we saw Dating Amber, um, which is an Irish film from David Frayne. Um, that a lot of people know about this is done very very well in uh, the uk in ireland and the us it's also on amazon prime so it was kind of a novelty that it actually got a bit more time in the cinema so um it's directed as i say by by irish director david frayne and then fionn o'shea who some people would know from normal people lola pettigrew sharon horgan and barry ward then make up the rest of the main cast um so, uh, yeah, I liked it. You got to see this. This is a story of nineteen late 1990s. Yeah. We kind of um, saw it on Amazon Prime. So Yeah, late 1990s um, teenage love drama, as in there's a, a boy and a girl who are both gay and decide actually life would be a bit easier to go to secondary school if we just pretended um, that we were going out. So it's of that era of, you know, Dairy Girls and... and kind of Moon Boy as well, kind of a vibe exactly. of it. Um, it's also one of the... Yeah, I like remember. I yeah. thought it was good. I think it suffers maybe, but maybe a lot of people haven't seen it from being very similar to Handsome Devil. I thought. Yeah. So and it has some of the similar characters and themes and stuff. So I was a bit like, oh, I've kind of seen this, and 
But there's not uh, much original about it no. like, at all. It's there's lots wrong with it, but it does leave you. Yeah, it's very well acted. The kind of characters put it together because the story is quite thin and, you know, yeah. arguably it got better for me when they got out of the school environment because yes. you're just playing to so many tropes and like caricatures of what bullies and people are like in secondary school. So I love the thing of what the kind of gay scene in in Dublin was like for people going to college and stuff in the late 90s as it just was getting more slightly more mainstream and and, uh, a bit more open to everyone Mm -hmm. so um, yeah kind of enjoyed that but aside from my cinema experience Mark you've been attending a film festival over the last couple of days do you want to tell us about it? Yeah Spool uh, favourite Galway Film Fla is on this weekend um, and they've gone online and it's a very uh, seamless process Uh, so you Log on to the website, you create an account and you can rent a film. Uh, the films all cost seven fifty, which you might think are like, oh, it's a bit kind of steep. But because I don't know how much the extra vision rentals are now, they're probably still a fiver or something like that. But when you kind of think about it, you're sitting at home. You could have 50 people watching it if you want. Uh, there was two uh, of what us. do extra vision do? You know the way you, there's boxes now to have oh, them in kind of rural oh, areas sorry. where you yeah, can go and yeah, rent yeah. a DVD yes. and then throw it back in. So they're probably yeah. a fiver for one. So it's 7.50 and um, worked perfectly. Um, you get sent a link. So it's kind of as if you're at the festival. So at like nine o'clock on a Saturday. And it works on your phone to yeah, cast or something like that? Yeah, on the phone was able to cast to the TV. Um, maybe if you have a smarter t- TV, you can just get the internet on your telly and kind of do a thing but it works works perfectly um so i saw redemption of a rogue it's directed by philip doherty star- stars uh aaron monaghan ashleen o'mara and kieran roach a uh, very funny film and it looks brilliant uh, really well directed great cinematography um it's about aaron monaghan plays jimmy who goes back to cabin uh, to bury his father and there's a stipulation in his will that he can't be buried when it's raining so then there's a deluge of rain and he kind of makes him be forced to stay in cabin and then lots of odd kind of weird stuff starts happening. Very, very funny, very enjoyable. Perfect kind of 90 minutes. And have away. they done anything uh, like that gave you the sense other people were watching it when you were watching it? Like at the kind of premiere idea or any like live, there's a oh, hundred people watching this right now. No, or, actually, or but like they did do a Q&A, a, a Q&A after okay. which yeah. was kind of cool because, you know, Q&As are always good. Um, and maybe there was did more. Did it run on time unlike every other Q&A that uh, has uh, taken place at the Galway Film Plot? It did actually kicked S- off, kick, kick, kicked off well. And uh, yeah, it's it's cool. Like I was just like, oh yeah, this is Doing good. their best. I think, and it's great well. to see, like today then we also watched uh, Rialto because you're kind of wondering like when are these films actually going to get, like it's always tough enough to see irish films there's usually a small window of release so we saw rialto the um marco halloran written film starring tom von lawler and tom glenn carney and we're in rialto recording we are recording in rialto Uh, it's directed by peter mackie burns um really good film quite uh, quite a heartbreaking film um tom von lawler plays column whose father has recently passed away it's coming up to the month's mine and he's kind of embarking on a affair with Tom Glenn Carney and Tom Von Lawler is so his family thinks happily married man with two kids so kind of again perfect little 90 minute amazing performances I was kind of saying it's mad to think that Tom Von Lawler was in a Marvel film and he's still able to do these really you know great dialogue and depth of performance and And love hate is back on telly they're repeating oh brilliant the player 
and RT1 every Monday night. Oh, cool. See him in his uh, Nidge role. Yeah. So, and it's good because you don't really, like, it's such a strong role, Nidge, where you're like, oh, can you ever see him in anything else? But this is really good. It ends brilliantly because it's quite a hard film and there's lots of stuff wrapped up in it. You're kind of like, how are they going to pull this together? And the ending of it is flawless. Really, really good. So if those come on to, I'd imagine the two of them, like I saw that Wildcard Distribution is behind Redemption of Rogue. Not 100% sure who's behind Rialto. So hopefully they'll, uh, you'll see them kind of in the cinema if possible and they'll, they'll definitely be involved. Love, yeah, sounds great. I'd love mm. if we could get to a place where something like that, you know, once or twice a month, there's just an Irish film that ends up where you can pay a bit of money for it and it feels like just there's an Irish film club idea where there's just 25 Irish films that come out a year mm. and every two weeks they're each there and you get them like that and the, everything that the film board funds there's a way to do it and mm. it feels a bit more like a club or a membership or something because I think going back to there was no when you go back to how they used to or how they typically have been done where they go out in the cinema barely anyone goes to see them then they tank you know in terms of numbers they don't really do huge business you don't hear anything about them mm. they might then show up on tv they'll try to make a bit of fuss about coming out on dvd and then yeah, eventually i'd, be, I'd you, be curious to see how galway does like i don't know if they'll and they don't have to like release kind of stats and like how much did people go like because potentially you could get a bigger audience if you market it well enough and stuff you know there's only maybe 100 seats and certain screens that they would have shown stuff before but if you get 200 or 300 people watching it so i'd kind of be curious to see that also going to catch uh, art the closing film of it um it's and when is that closing how are they running so that's it? at nine o'clock uh tonight and then, but there is a thing, sorry, as well, that you have There's an hour. Yes, yeah, so you've got 30 hours to watch some of the films. Redemption of a Rogue, you had 30 hours. But for example, Rialto, I think. Which is played, now, by the time this will be published, it will have expired. Yeah. So we're waiting on that to show up somewhere else. But Rialto is there, you know, so you were, I think it. It was shown on Thursday, but we watched it today. There didn't seem to be a time limit on that, which would lead me to think that Redemption of Rogue and Arak has a bigger cinema thing in the in the pipelines. Yeah, so uh, we'll report back on a later podcast if Arak is good. Um, but yeah, I uh, would strongly recommend Redemption of Rogue and Rialto if you get to see them. Very and fair good. play to Galway Film Flat for keeping it going. Yeah, um, we tried to do a bit of a eventy type thing with Hamilton that uh, landed on Disney Plus. Uh, I'd seen this with um, my in-laws. Uh, we went to London to see the the West End adaptation of it um, two years ago, I suppose it is. And so um, the group of us got together again on the day this landed on Disney Plus um, for Independence oh, Day brilliant. weekend. So, um, yeah, it was great. It's very long and um, there's nearly three hours and then there's an interval in the middle um, and everything. But it's a pretty good, if you know the story, I don't know what it would be like coming to this if you're not there trying to just replicate having seen it in the theatre to just watch it off for the first time. So um, try they, to, is it yeah. it's slightly different interpretation or? It's just a recording of the, it's oh, arguably, okay. this is not a film. So arguably yeah. I shouldn't even be talking about it here. It's, no, a, no, but yeah. it's a recording of the um because i had of the performance but they've compiled it from it. various takes and oh, they've, compi- okay. they've done a few shots without the audience where they you know the camera pans in and zooms in so you get these yeah you know cooler mm-hmm. way of of watching stuff so again a new way of experiencing something considering we're we're all doing different things some people are watching football matches in empty stadiums and all that kind of thing um this is just another weird part of, mm-hmm. of stuff so hamilton was good um to watch it again but again meant a lot 
having seen it as a musical. So uh, Frozen 2 was the other new arrival also on, on Disney+. That. Plus. Are you it's rewatching st- it? It still holds up. It's great. Yeah, ah, yeah ah. it's brilliant. Very funny. Olaf's uh, summation of Frozen 1 halfway through is hilarious. Yeah. So I'd watch um, it again. I watched it for the first time uh, what do you think? recently. Uh, enjoyed it. It doesn't seem like a patch, but watching it at home... Having seen the first in the cinema, I didn't think it was as good as, as it, but... Uh, I think it's kind of almost... Yeah, no, it probably isn't better than the first one. Um, I do remember seeing the first one in the cinema and everybody gasping when the prince turned out to be evil. <gasps> See, that's what you're not going to get with social distancing. No. But no, that's why I'm interested in things that they do. Like, you, do, they see it with the Premier League matches where they... When there's a goal scored, they, they cut to some Zoom wall where the 16 people sat at home going, yeah... Oh, and okay. you're like, oh, cool. This That's is just enough. like we're all there. Uh, anyway, a few other things then that are on the old uh, bargain basement bin that is Netflix um, at the minute. The first one, I think, really needs to be talked about. It's out about five weeks at this point. Spike Lee's Da Five Bloods. Um, so this is, as we call it, a Spike Lee joint. About four Vietnam vets, all black, who uh, return to find the body of their fallen sort of squad leader, um, Storm and Norman, played by Chadwick Boseman. And there's also a pot of gold basically buried there that they um, want to go back and reclaim and bring back. Kelly's Heroes, this type of like, yeah. Um, This is probably the weirdest film I've watched in quite a while. It had come up on my stream and I was like, okay, cool. Um, Spike Lee's done a thing. And then I'd totally forgotten about it. And you just text me to say, oh, I'm watching this. It's bonkers. Yeah. And I was like, okay, I'll watch it too. Yeah. So it, um, I, I don't even I know where to begin with it. It's like, definitely yeah. worth watching now. And it lends itself quite well to being watched at home where you can possibly watch it with a bit of a break in the middle. I don't know. If you, I didn't I watch, watch it through. it as I was cooking. Yeah. So there's, it's just a strange film. The tone seems to be a little bit all over the place. Where it's strongest, and what what they've done is, um, again, this will people have probably heard this film talked about a good bit, but um, they jump between time periods a little bit, and the camera, um, the aspect film ratio changes. So, so widescreen yeah. um, for contemporary times, and then it cuts into like a square sixteen millimeter thing. I had a huge problem with the flashback scenes simply because they didn't do anything to de-age people or like. I kind of loved that. But I like you see like grey hair, like your I man's know, beard I, is I, I thought that was brilliant. I think it was interesting, it was like but it made it more like theatre. Yes, yeah, exactly. Like, and you're seeing them there. You're like, oh, this is surrealism at it. Like, so I think maybe he was going for that where it was a bit surreal. But then in interviews, he's like, no, nah, if we had the money that Marty Scorsese had, like they did for the Irishman, I kind of think it I would have done that. Then. Yeah, kind of. Um, but I just, it just took me a while to settle into that. Um, but then it gets very dark, very topical, very live kind of documentary footage at certain points yeah. and per- for time periods from the piece of the 70s where it is talking about this black yeah. people and Spike Lee can tell documentary stories mm. he's done amazing work uh, he did When the Levee Breaks about Hurricane Katrina and we know he's probably one of the strongest voices and has been for about 30 years on civ- what used to be called civil rights um, and uh, now is just sort of the Black Lives Matter movement um, in in America, so it weirdly ties into a lot of that toward the mm-hmm. end, which felt incredibly topical. And based it and everything does else, so. kind of. He's like a, a master of film history himself. He he touches on lots of kind of war films, like there's not so apocalypse now. It's very the funny music the ride of the Valkyries well. when the yeah. boat is going down. 
a lot of it as well too when the gold story takes over a bit more so it's like oh this is very like uh, the treasure of Sierra Nevada uh, and then they have the line with the but badges also, and I was like oh that's kind but of also funny. those films where old like I can't even remember any of the names of them but where old guys go to Las Vegas for one last job yeah. because the guys are all in their in their seven, in their 60s or 70s I don't 70s. have the, the actor's name in front of me but the son of one of the men in the film is also in the uh, is it the last Black House in San Francisco. I went to see it uh, before last year, maybe before the end of the year, and uh, he's in it as well. I'm just going to quickly look at his name. He's a fantastic yeah. actor. In it. So it's weird. I don't even know what to give the film because um, I think it's a three and a half or a three, um, I, I but it stuck with me. I won't forget up. that I've seen yeah, it. Um, I'm almost on the four and a half, five, because it was just, had kind of gotten into this lull, I think, that a lot of people are getting into where... They're watching maybe Modern Family's just been added and all these kind of just like... Oh, yeah, you're watching... Well, that's why I, kind of I consider Netflix to be the kind food, of... like, yeah. Yeah, junk food and the bargain basement bin where you're just like, oh, I'll just put that on. I'll play that. So um, it was just like... And I, I kind of like that intercutting of kind of documentary with other stuff. Uh, Jonathan Majors, who plays David, uh, he plays the son of uh, Paul, who's played by Delroy Lindo. And there's also some good uh, wire uh, nods in this. Um, there's the kind of famous sheet uh, that they kind of do throughout it. I was wondering if um, Isaiah Whitlock Jr. was going to do that at any point, and then he does it, and I was like, oh, brilliant. Yeah, no, he's never, Spike Lee will always do the thing you want him to do. So look, it's a, it's, it's a definite, it's a must-see, um, simply from a conversation point of view. Uh, two Sorry. others then that you've seen um, on Netflix that are, are, are must-avoid for me. I've so far avoided Eurovision, but you opted in to just... Yeah, Eurovision is actually quite enjoyable. Like, it's, it kind of has that thing where it's a titch long. It uh, stars Will Ferrell and Rachel McAdams. I, w- I used to go through a phase of having to see every Will Ferrell film. Like, in my head, I would just yeah. be like, oh, i got to see it. I like, there was a, a point when he was like, an essential... Don't like him. And I, I, I love him. I mostly like, like I watched a half hour interview he did with Conan O'Brien during the week. And oh, I was okay, just like, yeah. I can just watch these guys. So. Yeah. So um, they play Lars and Sigrid and they're kind of in a, like, uh, they were madly in love with the Eurovision, uh, both in Iceland and Iceland has never won the Eurovision. There's kind of a series of kind of daft concoctions that make these two the Eurovision entry for Iceland and uh, keeps going on. Uh, Dan Stevens is in it and Pierce Brosnan. Pierce Brosnan's accent is so bad. Um, where you kind of aren't sure if he's doing a dumb accent or if he's trying to do an Icelandic accent, um, which is kind of brilliant. So um, it's very fun. Rachel McAdams is very funny at Will Ferrell too. And I was kind of like, Will Ferrell co-wrote it. And I was like, does he actually know about the Eurovision? So his, his, uh, Having learned this trivia, yeah, his yeah. wife, I think, is Swedish or they were in Sweden with her family. Um, and they were there from a Saturday, um, one Saturday night, and then they're like, you know, he told this story. Yeah. Will we go watch Eurovision? And he was like, what's Eurovision? And then suddenly realised, oh my God, this yeah, is so he kind of fell insane. in love with it. And I think we unfortunately in Ireland have a bad relationship with it now because we've been, we went from a point when it was a very different endeavour and are sort of sour because we're no longer. And it's um, all Dustin's fault. Uh, yeah, but we were meant to be in contention this year, and when apparently Iceland were just going to win, so um, yeah, and none of those songs uh, can. So that's on ahead. Netflix, worth a look. And then the other one, which is like day or two old at this point, uh, the Old Guard, Charlie's Theron um, vehicle, and people are kind of saying it's like Highlander, and I'm like, uh, kind of is. So they're a group of five people who are mortals can't be killed, but then at some point, unbeknown, like it's not known, they suddenly aren't able to like heal themselves anymore. So. 
Charlize Theron is kind of the leader of the group. Um, is it set in contemporary? Set in contemporary times. Are, there are a few flashbacks. The main thing I got from it, it's set in England two times. It kind of jumps around the place. It looks quite cheap. Like the action and stuff is good in it, but there's something about it. I don't know how it was shot. Or I was like, this looks really cheap. And there's so much dialogue in it. That's really boring. And because like I wanted to watch it and I was like, oh, it's going to be cool. Kind of dumb action film. But like there's loads of dialogue in it. That's just I don't care. And this is so pointless. And like Highlander was in and out in an hour and 45 minutes. And grand like this is it's really bloated. It's definitely sets itself up for a sequel. But like, yeah, I, I wouldn't touch it with a barge pole. I'd definitely be advising your vision over that. And yet it'll probably be one of the most watched films in history because to okay. just shove an attempt yeah, people's... Yeah. It's probably in the top 10 already, like the number one watched Netflix. On, on it, yeah, yeah, exactly. Two other very, very quick ones uh, to just run through. Um, Plus One is also a Netflix one that I saw. So this is about two single college friends, Ben and Alice, who um, join together. They have like 20 weddings or a dozen weddings to get to between them. So they decide to be each other's uh, dates um, for all those. Um, one of them is Ben's dad and uh, yeah they just sort of they they set off to just be kind of a wingman or whatever for each other and inevitably ends up being <gasps> a more romantic thing yeah but it's it's grand uh, the main reason it caught my eye was Maya Erskine who is in Pen15 uh, is the plays Alice and yeah it's it's easy watching you'd like it yeah um, cool. but again easy watching is this yeah. it's, it's something very comforting at these times to just have something that like I have to kind of g myself up to watch we're going to talk about something special in a couple of minutes that we mm. both challenged each other to watch and I think you have to kind of get your head in the game or like you doing their virtual Galway film flat yes you're like right that's a different experience to the kind of it just was actually yeah. junk food mm. which a lot of these other things are so mm. another one which sort of skirts between a few of these things is the king of staten island that we watched uh, you come over to my house and we did a socially distant cinema experience give you your own couch over by the window and um yeah, this is a Judd Apatow film starring Pete Davidson. Uh, he, his dad died um, in a fire as a fireman. And then this is him kind of coming to terms with that. And um, Yeah, his dad died in September 11, but this isn't that. It's kind of like a fire. So, But it's very heavily yeah. based on his life. Exactly. So um, I liked it uh, quite a lot, but really I like Pete it. Davidson from Saturday Night Live. Um, it's really long. I think you said it was nearly three hours. That seemed to just pass because yeah. we paused it a bit. We we're watching at home. If it was in the cinema... I would have been like really, really trying to go to the toilet, just get out of there. But actually, lent itself well to that kind mm. of more episodic yeah. way that you watched roles it. from like Bill Burr um, and Melissa Tomei. Yeah, Steve uh, Buscemi. Steve Buscemi, really, really good. I really loved it. Yeah, because with Judd Apatow films, the kind of overstay their welcome. But with this, it was just like, yeah, give me more of it. Yeah, so kind of pity it didn't get the cinema. But like with the streaming, I think a lot of people yeah have had a seen fairly it. convoluted streaming release, which um, means it won't be seen by as many people. Now, by that, I just mean it wasn't on any of the free platforms. So if yeah, you have... Yeah, it was have, like 15 euro, I think, to rent. Yeah. So if you have the... Um, you, you're finding it on Google and you're finding it on Amazon and then you're like, gosh, that's steep enough. But if you have a couple of people coming around somewhere, yeah. it's a bit like, it becomes a bit more like an event sort of thing to watch. Anyway, so that's where we're at. So I don't know. It feels like a weird conversation to have. I was reading a few pieces of like the half year of cinema because the Oscars are now delayed, everyone's kind of like, is 2020 going to be the weirdest year when people look back on what like films of the year were? But why, why are the Oscars delayed? 
What do we? Do? You may not know the answer to that. No, I don't no, mean to put I, you on I the think spot. It's just but they're pushing them back to next May to allow films an extra couple of oh, months. Is that right? April or May or something? Oh, I think they're getting moved to the. In my head, if you had a like put a gun to my head and said, I think it's. I thought it was the end of March as opposed to like the end of February, but maybe it's getting pushed out further. I'd say it's just to think the whole end of the year is going to be so loaded with stuff with block with action yeah. because we'll actually get back. Mm. Like I think the first kind of big because like you got to see Date Number, which is a relatively really new film, but in all the other stuff, it's just kind of not shite, but like it's all old stuff. It's like I think uh, Star Wars was out again. There's Back to the Future. They don't, yeah, but kind of stuff like this. They'll so do whatever they the can. First yes. big so one is going to be the tenant and Mulan are meant to be the blockbuster yeah. ones, and then I think independent films are they're not really sure. Like I think it's probably easy enough for them uh, to decide like. Um, okay it's going on Netflix or it's going wherever and actually yeah we can put it in the cinema as well because but then will cinemas allow them to do that like yeah. that's kind of breaking the rules that they followed for, and if places keep getting open and shut down and if say everyone in this is going to the cinema in Ireland but like UK is still a shit show or will we not get to see stuff because they're probably the same releases and stuff like this and so I think it's going to be really messy and the Oscars could just do a thing where they allow and maybe they're doing this already streaming films into it now like they get rid of the cinema release and it solely becomes like what was the best film anywhere you know that was that the new best new film and it doesn't matter where you saw it yeah, yeah i think that was meant to kind of be the case but anyway we should probably have done mm. a bit more research on that i blame the researchers can't get yeah, the, yeah. can't get the staff um anyway so you sent me a text uh last week or something and you were kind of thinking we were trying to work out what we would do as a bit of a film challenge or something new mm. and you were saying that something had popped up on netflix that you thought was a good anniversary yeah and i had never note. seen it and in my head it was like nigel probably hasn't seen this either and it's on netflix so it's an easy watch um wild at heart the 1990 david lynch film and one of the few films of his that i hadn't seen and i now realize the only film of his i haven't seen feature length film he's lots of shorts is uh the straight story i was gonna ask i was reading about straight story and i was like oh it feels like it should be on disney yeah um haven't seen it came out in 1999 um yeah it's so wild of, heart is you know came out when you think about it it came out when italia 90 uh literally in the month after that when jackie's army were flying see the way what i've done there i've nice. made it topical r.i.p yeah um, so that was a very different time. Like this is pre, I suppose what I was trying to think, I was like, this is pre Tarantino, but feels really like an Oliver Stone Tarantino film. Like did David Lynch just do that? Or like, yeah, like Tony Scott could have directed this or something like, you know, put this script into different people's hands and it's a totally different film, which is maybe a dumb statement, but yeah, it kind of feels he's, he's reading up about it today. He just kind of finished the pilot for twin peaks and he had a bit of downtime was handed the script for this the story and he fell in love with it and was like i want to direct and produce this so kind of in i think in my head he made it before twin peaks got picked up he'd kind of like a bit of a break there like after he made the pilot. It and then i think it came out yes, after it had exactly twin famous, peaks yeah. was on the telly so yes there's nicholas cage and lord dern are this kind of like star-crossed lovers um nicholas cage plays sailor and laura dern plays Lulu, I kind of wondered: is this the first Nicholas? Is this the first Nicholas Cage? Cage? Yeah, like is this the birth of the like why people go to see Nicholas Cage in like those gritty pulpy films that are out now? Because I was kind of looking at his films before, and I've seen one or two of them. I've seen Valley Girl and like Fast Times at Ridgemont High, but I was like, there's n- it doesn't seem like any of these previous ones where like he goes bananas. So um, it starts out very weirdly with 
um, he just murders a person, uh, almost like the start of Con Air. I had suggested uh, Lisa hasn't seen Con Air, so I think that would be our next film. Brilliant. Uh, it also ends, just to go back, Wild at Heart ends with Nicolas Cage getting out of prison, holding a stuffed animal toy, and the stuffed bunny is a big character in Con Air, so I wonder if there are internal nods there. So Nicolas Cage and Laura Dern are these star-crossed lovers, and they kind of go on, once he gets out of prison, they are escaping from Laura Dern's mum, who's played by Diane Ladd, Who's actually Laura Dern's real mother in real life. And um, yeah. So um, good. I have a brilliant loop of trivia here that IMDb has given me. So I hope it's true. I'll say that in a few minutes. So she, the mother, um, uh, Marietta, kind of gets Harry Dean Staunton to hunt them down. And she wants to get Nicolas Cage out of the picture because she's not happy with him is bad news for Laura Dern. So they're kind of on this weird road trip. Yeah, and is there a bit of an age gap implied? Laura Dern, I think, is 20. She's 20. And yet like, she's very mammied, like she's yes. like very protective. And then Nick Cage feels a little bit older. Yeah, like uh, I didn't, yeah, I, seem it, I suppose maybe mentally Laura Dern seems a bit like, you know, innocent and juvenile and kind of, um, they kind of go find these different characters. There's a weird bit. So like kind of where climaxes is, they get mixed up with uh, Willem Dafoe, uh, who also plays this kind of Bobby Peru character. Um, qu- quite horrible scenes with him in it. That's where you're kind of like, oh, here's the weird David Lynch that you kind of know. Like, I still maintain nobody does that weird, so real horror that's just comes out of nowhere and it's quite sickening. That nobody else manages this to capture that. This is more perverted, that, like, though. I think yeah. there's something more degrading, sort of sexual... Yeah. this I thought than mm. more, much of the other David Lynch stuff I've seen yeah and there's so then he gets mixed up in a robbery with Nicolas Cage and he ends up in prison again and then it kind of all ties up happily ever after there's a million references in it to The Wizard of Oz and kind of trying to root up some stuff on the internet nobody really has expanded too much in it I feel like people see this as like way down the list of good David Lynch films um, I thought I quite enjoyed it having not seen it I was like it has all the kind of hallmarks of his that I like some of the dialogue it, in it, it, it feels like it joins the dots and this was like one of those film history things that you should watch just to explain where mm. uh, in the canon of great so directors kind of where you where come like, from yeah, yeah where Twin Peaks goes because it has that and there's weird... a lot of crossover characters where yeah. you're like oh yeah and your man, that's in Twin Peaks Twin Peaks kind of thing yes and Grace I'm going to butcher her surname Zabriskie turns up late she's in Twin Peaks but she also is in Inland Empire um, she's the kind of crazy older woman in it you know I'm on about yeah so I kind of think it it's showing where Twin Peaks is going to go because it kind of also has that like 50s like Nicholas Cage feels like he's stuff. a Marlon Brando Elvis in the 50s yeah. but it also has this weird speed metal in it at the same time all these weird kind of dream sequences and scenarios it took me ages when I was watching it one of the goons in it he kind of ends up killing loads of people. He's a he's also a goon in Miller's Crossing, and I was like, "Oh, that's who that guy is." And um, that's totally random. Do you want my, what did you make of it? Um, I found it hard to get into, and I was kind of a little bit distracted by it. I think it's a bit long. I found it hard to watch at home. I think if I was, if I'd you gone to, to like, the IFI in a, yeah, if I was in the IFI, got an intro from someone explaining to me why this was important. I actually, this is completely true. What I had to do 
um, half an hour in was just going like make a cup of tea. I then had a quick because I watched it completely cold without knowing much about it. Yeah. So then went and just read a bit of the context around it, and then got back into and stuff made a bit more. Yeah. And then I I thought it was it was good and felt worth watching for definite. But I mean I'm not going to be going back to it. I felt maybe it's due to like. This was a bit in in the five bloods as well. Uh, the violence. Um, I'm never affected by violence or weird deaths, but like I was like, all right, this is quite. Is this something that has happened it's during lockdown? A, where a bit more film and like there's lots of there's lots of sex in it, um, which you're kind of like, all right, yeah, you don't say that as much, I suppose. In yeah, you know, no, this is like a proper worthy of. 18 kind of rating, yeah. When Willem Dafoe blows his own head off, you're just like, Jesus, I did not see that yeah. coming. And then, yeah, has lots of like the bit where the dog runs off with his hand. It's like, I don't really get that. It's just dark comedy for the crack, yeah. I think. Yeah. Um, so, do you want my brilliant loop of IMDb trivia? I didn't come up with it, I'm just kind of copying it from IMDb. So, Isabella Rossellini has a cameo in it. She's kind of like plays a character in it. Ingrid Bergman is her mum. And Isabella is. Isabella Rossellini was married to Martin Scorsese and Martin Scorsese directed Laura Dern and Diane Ladd in Alice Doesn't Live Here Anymore. I was like, oh, cool. Cool. I thought that might have been more like mind blowing. That, that's a nice loop. That's a nice loop. I kind of liked it. Also a Scorsese film I haven't seen. Alice Doesn't Live Here Anymore. Have you seen that? Uh, it's one of his early ones maybe like 70 something what's it about I think I actually have I think it's Chris Christopherson's in it I think it's like a domestic abuse story where she runs away and um, yeah haven't seen it okay very good well anyway we'll wrap it up there we're going to close out uh, this episode with um, a nod back to something that's not even really um, a film but uh, Twin Peaks The Return it's uh, three years since that wrapped up and we're just going to close with the weird um ending a few seconds from it simply because i think it's one of the best weirdest tv endings ever yeah. and worth going back to this i think i think i've yeah. looked at like youtube clips from it more recently and david lynch is giving weather reports oh yeah I've and everything you get the sense he's possibly not going to do he's very he seems in retirement i would be surprised if he did a film again but like with or the, what we think of yeah as a with film. the twin peaks it's like you've got 18 hours of david lynch here yeah there were so many episodes and you were just kind of watching that week by week as oh, and you need to go summer. back and read really lovely days it. of 2017 like i think yeah thinking back on it so I, I think i would watch wild at heart again maybe in a year or two because again it's like the first time i've seen it so you're just kind of taking it in but like with rewatching she'll get more stuff out of it and he plays it it leads into a lot of his later films like lost highway i kind of exp- expands more on the roads and the driving and the car and then people would also see it as like a prelude to mulholland drive and stuff like that so i think you're quite right when you're saying joining the dots and stuff like that yeah and just explaining why where where so much other stuff came from in the 90s anyway david lynch is on that list of uh, white men that we love and so we'll see anything yeah. exciting coming out in the next no I, I, I feel week to week no. I just have to look and see what's new. Like yeah. it seems really, really weird. Um I've got into the thing of like getting finding old films like on like this Wild at Heart. I want to watch um I wanna watch Con Air again now. Might I've never seen Castaway. Um so I think I'll watch stuff like that. Because Tom Hanks has his new film Greyhound. Maybe we'll be able to see that at some point. Um it seems to be in all the streaming services, which is kind of disappointing. Is it not an Apple one? Oh no, it's everywhere. Is it? Oh, one of the right. ones. Maybe it is Apple. I'll yeah. get the Apple TV out of the attic. 
yeah. and we can stick it on. I know. It's very hard to work out exactly where everything is. And trying to be legit, we're doing our best to get as yeah, much yeah. from legit sources, but it's very hard. Yeah, it is tough. <laughs> to stay on top of everything. Anyway. Anyway, so yeah, here's 2017, wondering what year it is and all this 2017. All right, here's Twin Peaks Return, yes. and we'll see you in a couple of weeks. Thanks. FBI. I'm Special Agent Dale Cooper. Is Sarah Palmer here? Who? Sarah Palmer. No, there's no one here by that name. Do you know Sarah Palmer? No. Is this your house? Do you own this house or do you rent this house? Yes, we own this house. Who did you buy it from? Chelfont, Mrs. Chelfont. Do you happen to know who she bought it from? No, I don't, but... Honey, do you know who owned it before Mrs. Chelfont? No. What is your name? Alice. Alice Tremond. Okay. Sorry to bother you so late at night. That's okay. Good night. Good night. What year is this? Beautiful friendship. Take one. Do you want anything from the shop? Call it out. Chocolate. It doesn't say.